Well, happy Easter. How are we, church? This is the Easter is Easter is awesome. For some of you, you you may even learn today that Easter, as good as chocolate is and as nice as bunny rabbits are, Easter is more than that. Come on. Easter is more. And Easter, it's good at getting together with family. And for some of us, you say, well, the less I can get together with family, that's the better for me. God can help you today. But man, Easter, when you really begin to think about Easter, it's, it's awesome because it's about Christ. And when you begin to look at the Bible, you see a Jesus often that is presented differently than the American Jesus. It's kind of like this. Each one of us, we have a tendency for our hearts to turn in on themselves. And think about arguing with other people. Nobody in here gets into arguments looking for the other person to prove us wrong. Right? I mean, nobody does that. We want to show that we're right. But what the Bible shows us, the unedited, the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of history, is that when we see him for who he is, he begins to make us a little bit uncomfortable. And here's the reason why. Because when we see Jesus for who he is, he confronts us for what we are. It's not the Jesus that's presented sometimes in Hollywood or on movies. You see, the Jesus of the Bible confronts us for what we really are. And some of us, we can have a tendency to want to edit Jesus. To want to take the parts that look at compassion and love and mercy. And when Jesus kind of lets it rip, we say, man, I don't really like that. In other words, we want to take the parts that don't make us feel uncomfortable. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is that when we look at the unedited Jesus, the real Jesus, the raw Jesus, he always confronts us on who we are. And the beautiful thing about that is that we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today, beginning in verse 11. And we're going to look at how the unedited, the real Jesus changes us. And it's beautiful there in verse number 11. It says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Meaning that, man, when we think about the greatness of God, when we think about the greatness of God and how we conflict with that, it should cause us to fear God. We're not talking about an irrational phobia. But when you think about the Bible and it talks about the fear of God, we don't usually talk about that, do we? We don't talk about the wrath of God, but when it says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, it means that the real unedited Jesus causes us to think differently about our own mortality. You see, the Jesus of American culture never says anything offensive. Right? He doesn't. He just, he kind of walks around in a bathrobe with a cute little beard asking people to be his friends. Doesn't he? The, the, the Jesus of American culture says that as long as you're political conservative, you're good. Y'all all right? The, the, the Jesus of American culture, he'll come and it's basically like he doesn't say anything scary, nothing uncomfortable, smiles all the time. He has this little flock of sheep that he's feeding crackers to. Following around, he's got kids in his arms. He's got this fake plastic smile on his face. But the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible begins to cut to the heart of who we really are. The Jesus of American culture looks like a cross between Richard Simmons and the Beatles. Just weak, 
Some of y'all get that later. Just weak, strange, awkward, weird. Talking in language that nobody else understands. But the Jesus that's unedited, he speaks in language that everybody can understand. He doesn't just talk about love. He defines it. Jesus says, in this is love. That a man lay down his life. Man, I praise God for the word of God. Because it tells us who Jesus really is. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't like being lied to. I mean, no, nobody starts out their day saying, I want somebody to lie to me. But here's what can happen in our culture that is so much about us feeling good. We can unconsciously come to the Bible and say, I want to learn about Jesus. But then when the real Jesus begins to jump out of the pages of the Bible, so to speak, we say, man, that makes me feel uncomfortable. You see, the Jesus of American culture says, I want to help you with your problems. But the real unedited Jesus says, I want to change your heart. And that's the beautiful picture of the Bible. You say, Jeff, I don't even feel worthy. I don't feel worthy about being here. I don't feel being worthy, being married to my spouse. I don't feel worthy to be alive and breathe God's air. That's first base. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is to realize that we can't be good enough. You see how that frees us when we begin to see, therefore, the fear of the Lord. It means, man, I know what I am. And guess what? God even knows more of what I am than I do. My heart can even lie to me. We can convince ourselves. We hear it on on TV all the time, right? Just follow your heart. What if you're crazy? I mean, it's we it's sung, it's on movies. You have somebody and they they just sit behind the desk and like, well, just follow your heart. I mean, what if you're ISIS? Think about it. Well, my heart, no. The Bible says the the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? That means somebody say, well, Jeff, I just want to follow my my dreams. Well, what if your dreams lead you the wrong way and you don't realize it? And that's why God has so much love because he's so full of mercy that he tells us the hard things in scripture. The unedited Jesus comes and he says, I don't just want to come to be a part of your game. I want you to come and come to me. I don't just want to be one of your coaches. I want to be your Lord and your Savior and your boss. If you're taking notes, write down Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. This is so cool. It says, Jesus, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You see, the unedited, of, edited, unedited Jesus, he does not come and preach, I want you to get better. The real unedited Jesus comes and he says, repent. That's like the first thing he said. I mean, you know, know people were expecting it because John the Baptist, you baptized Jesus. And that was a way to show his identity there. And I mean, everybody's expecting Jesus to say something. It's his first sermon. This is the guy that John the Baptist said would come. And he comes and the first word was repent. I mean, imagine that. You know what that means? You can't turn your life over. You just have to give it to Christ. He's saying repent. You know, Jesus didn't just call people to, to tag me on the end of your prayers. Jesus said, come and follow me. We have a, a nephew in Hawaii named Caleb and, and Gary and Heidi, my father and mother-in-law, were there visiting a few weeks ago. And, and when Heidi finished her prayer, she didn't say in Jesus' name. She said, in your name. And little Caleb said, you did it wrong. You did it wrong. Jesus is not saying that the gospel is about just tacking him on. 
And here's something that will shock you. Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. Jesus basically said in so many words that good people go to hell. Aren't you glad you came to Rocky Mount Baptist Church today? He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, man, you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. That means we could find the most goody two-shoes who would make Mother Teresa look like a punk. Like, that's just weird. You could take the goodiest two-shoes you could ever find, and Jesus says you can go better than them, but you're still on your way to hell. That's not something that sells. You don't put that on coffee mugs. You don't put that on t-shirts. You don't put that on the starter jackets. Come on, children of the 80s. <laughs> Jesus, you see, the, the, uh, the, the, the edited Jesus of American culture comes and says, just have me as a part of your private faith. But the unedited Jesus of the Bible says, I want you to confess me before men. He says, if I came and saved you, I'm giving you salvation so that you can lead other people to me. The real Jesus of the Bible, the unedited Jesus, one day he made a whip and he came in and he took names and he kicked rear end. And he was all out of paper for writing names down. I mean, imagine, imagine you're the disciples and you're watching everything Jesus did. You're like, dude, we were, we were going down like we were on the lake and it was coming. I, I heard Peter scream like a little girl, but don't tell him because he'll cut you, right? Peter's carrying his shank with a bad attitude. And then like, you're just watching Jesus. What's he going to do? And then Jesus, what are you doing? I'm making a whip. He's making a whip. And then he goes into the temple and cleans it out. Saying that my house is to be a house of prayer. Jesus even told the Pharisees, he says, your evangelism tactics to where you tell people, here's how you get to heaven. You start doing all these things. He says, you make them a twofold son of hell. Man, we don't preach morality here. Charles Spurgeon, he says that morality can keep you out of jail, but only the blood of Jesus can keep you out of hell. Come on, that's true. And you see, the Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, he doesn't come and say, improve yourself. He comes and he says, repent. Jesus was no respecter of persons. He offended everybody equally. Didn't matter who you were. You ask the question, you're like, well, 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 is God just to have a bad attitude? Like, is he coming up? He's like, you know, I'm going to be crucified and I'm mad at you, right? No, the reason why the unedited Jesus, the real Jesus of Scripture is so important is because he loves us so much that he doesn't want to keep us what we are. Some people in our culture, they say, well, doesn't it say just come like you are? And sometimes when we say that phrase, what we mean is that I don't need to change. Jesus offers change. He offers what we truly need. But here's the reason why we know that we're crazy. Because when Jesus reveals himself through our conscience, we're driving down the road, we hear a sermon, have a friend tell us about Christ. Usually the first reaction is to run from what we know is true. Because what we know is true requires us to say, I'm not right. And for some of us, that grates against everything that we are. When the Bible says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, it's saying that there is a expiration date on you and me and the universe. Dallas-Fort Worth CBS ran an article a couple weeks ago, and here's the title. It's pretty cool. Dr. Pepper, the choice 
the doctor of choice for a 104-year-old woman. And she says, quote, I started drinking Dr. Peppers about 40 years ago, three a day. Every doctor that sees me says, they'll kill you, but they die and I don't. (laughs) Dr. Pepper fans in the house. It doesn't matter what the plan is, it's going to end in death one day. We don't like to, we don't like to think about that, but it's true. And the fact of the matter is, we really don't like to talk about this, that it very well could be next Easter or some of us won't even be here. Death is coming. It's coming to everybody. And the Bible says that everything stops at death and what makes the difference is what we've done with Jesus Christ. But the real Jesus of the Bible begins to help us think rationally about life. Knowing that I can have a good time, I can play with cool toys, eat nice food. I can have a great husband, a great wife, a great education, a fun job with fun people. Either they're fun or fun to make fun of, right? Have a great, great life. But one day it all comes to a screeching halt. But the cool thing, man, is when Jesus, the real unedited, the real Jesus of the Bible, the one that we really need, when he gets a hold of our heart, he changes it so sure we can still have fun with toys and vacations and cool things. But the point of those things is not an in and of themselves. Those things are used to point people to Jesus Christ. He radically changes our lives. And notice there in verse number 14, the the unedited, the real Jesus, it says, for the love of Christ controls us. It means that Jesus Christ changes our goals to be something more than just for ourselves. It changes what drives us. Look at verse number 15. It says, and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves. Oh, this is cool. But for him. Who died and rose on their behalf. Man, this is something that will carry you through times of suffering. Because culture says it's all about us. But if we get the, if we're on the doctor's table, if our family's going to pot, if things are happening, then the point of life no longer seems real. But praise Jesus, he says that once we get saved, we live Not for ourselves, but for him who died for us. Oh, man. Just this past week, over 2,000 pair of shoes were hauled down south of our county that you gave and teaming up with the SCA at the high school so that a little Haitian boy could have a surgery here and he could walk. And then he could be adopted by a family here who loves him and could support him to the glory of God. I want to brag on our jail ministry. You guys, Lee Floor, Jeffrey Caldall, uh, Ben Robertson, over about two years brought the guys of the jail in a Bible study. Check this out. You talk about verse by verse, verse by verse through the entire book of Proverbs on Saturday afternoon. That's crazy. And praise Jesus, we for two years in a row, you guys have welcomed the inmates at Franklin County Jail for an inmate Thanksgiving meal here in the building. And you guys are okay with bringing criminals to church. Because some of the folks here have realized that with Jesus, notice in verse number 16, it says, therefore now we know, we recognize no one according to the flesh. That means when Jesus saves us, we no longer look at people as white Middle class, suburbanites, rednecks, ghetto, thug, whatever it may be. We look at people based upon where they're going. That's 
And we say, you know what? If you've done time, you're welcome here. If you're making six figures, you're welcome here. If you work on engines, you're welcome here. If you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a single dad, you're welcome here. Because when Jesus changes the hearts, y'all, man, it means that you look at people differently. You see, in America, there's not a skin problem. This is old. It's a sin problem. That's the reason why we can't get along. It's the reason why we can't get along with people that we know, people that we don't know. But when the Bible tells us the real unedited Jesus changes our heart, it means we look at people differently. And it's awesome because we tell the inmates, we're glad that you're here because if it was not for the grace of God, I would be there and it may be worse. And here's how it works. I may never even get a speeding ticket. I will never see the inside of a jail cell, but I will pay my taxes. I will work my job and think that I'm a good person. And end up before God and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because good people go to hell. Say, Jeff, that's a weird statement. The reason why, if you were asked, why are you going to heaven, what would you say to God? And your first reaction is because I, it means you're worshiping the idol of your own self-righteousness. And I did it for years. But Jesus comes and he changes everything. For some of us, before we came to Jesus, we thought we were pretty awesome. Little nephew and... In Hawaii, Jen quotes him all the time. He'll say, little kid, he's, Caleb, awesome. Caleb, awesome. That's us. I mean, we don't, we don't put it on a t-shirt. We don't, we don't walk around saying, hi, my name is, and I'm awesome because we won't have any friends. But before Jesus changes our life, we think we're okay. But the standard of awesomeness changes in the gospel. Because notice in verse number 16, it says, Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. It means that not only does my view of people change, it means my view of Jesus changes when the real unedited Jesus gets a hold of our heart. It changes how we see Jesus because here's the thing for some of us. We view Jesus like an Amazon add-on item to get free shipping. Y'all okay? Like, like he's an add-on. He's a piece of the puzzle. But man, when Jesus shows us that we don't deserve anything but wrath and judgment, but he loved us so much that he came and died. Oh man, that's when it changes. It's no longer to let see Jesus fit into my life to help me do what I want to do. It means that my life is his. It means that he changes our hearts. Notice in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. This is so awesome. It says, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Man, some of y'all have been told by your families, told behind your back, they've become a little weird. Right? Like when, when your heart gets changed and everybody else used to knew, know you for the old you. And it's not because you're walking around saying, hey, look at me. Who's awesome? Because that shows that we've never experienced the grace of God. But if they see that heart change in your life, it is a testimony that they need the same thing. And notice in verse number 18, it says, now all these things come and they are from God. That means that life changes from God, that there is no self-improvement, that the true Jesus of the Bible does not come. And he does not say, I want you to improve, but he comes and he says, I want you to repent and trust me. You say, well, Jeff, how did God do all this? Notice in verse number 19, it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. 
It means that God's work through Jesus, reconciling the world to himself is what we call the gospel. Imagine if you had been there and you had seen Jesus. You had seen him do those miracles and those people who had been marginalized by society. And there were no programs. There was no uh, orphanage. There were, there, there were no hospitals. People were just on the side of the road begging so that they could eat that day. And one man cries out. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heals him and gives him mercy. And people are like, why are you talking to that guy? Because Jesus came to show us what life was about. The test of our character, as we've said many times, is how we treat those who can't do anything for us in return. It started with Jesus. And then we saw, if we had been there, we would have seen him beaten, brought before the Sanhedrin, falsely accused, beaten with sticks, fists, the crown of thorns smashed down on his brow. And everybody's waiting. Everybody's waiting to say, will he break? Will he break? Will he snap? Will he begin to curse those who are cursing him? Will he call down fire from heaven? Will he work a miracle? Will he show his power? But Jesus, like a meek lamb, went the whole way. And even on the cross, naked, he had enough mercy and love to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then when Jesus died, the Bible says the veil of the temple, which was incredibly thick, was split from top to bottom. You couldn't do that with the jaws of life that they break open cards with. It was split, boom, in a moment. And it was at that moment that the people who were in Jerusalem saw it. And maybe some of you, you've, you've made a mistake that's resulted in somebody else getting hurt. You say, why, why did I text? Why didn't I wait? Why didn't I look? Why didn't I look behind? And something's happened. Can you imagine the gravity of seeing that? And then an earthquake hit Jerusalem. And they knew that they had, please hear this, they had killed God. God the Creator had come as one of us to bleed and to sweat and to experience anger and to experience rejection and to be backstabbed and to be forgotten and to be marginalized and to be lied to. And they realized, oh no, we've killed God. At that moment, if God had been us, that earthquake would have spread and say, just take the whole thing to hell. Sent them prophet after prophet after prophet. I worked miracle after miracle after miracle. I've given them time and time and time. And then it all builds up to where I give them my precious son and he heals them. And he helps. But they put him to death to hell with the whole thing. And if God had chosen to do that, he would have been totally just. In fact, God would have been totally just and right if he had never sent Jesus in the first place. Imagine if we had been the disciples, scared, trembling in an upper room, thinking that they're coming for us next. But you see, God was in Christ. He was reconciling the world to himself. Imagine when Jesus showed up. Through the power of God raised from the dead. He didn't need an ID card to prove who he was. And Jesus shows up. There's a reason why he says peace. Imagine if you had seen somebody die and they show up. Praise God there wasn't some little hyper southern ladies. Wow! You know, food everywhere. Scare you to death. Say Jesus rose from the dead but then I saw him and then I died. And he's there. And he's eating breakfast with his buddies on the beach a couple of days later. And it wasn't even Chick-fil-A. 
because it was on Sunday. <laughs> and I mean, can you imagine that they're like, it's actually him? It's like, well, how did that end then everything begin to make sense? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And they're like, oh, okay, now the Old Testament makes sense. So you're going to send a king, but the king would be brutalized and killed. And then you'd bring him back. I got it. And man, they were set on fire. You see, a lot of us today, we have to be motivated to share the gospel. The first century Christians couldn't shut up about it. They're like, we'll throw you in prison. Glory be to God. Suffering for the name of Jesus. They said, don't speak in the name of Jesus, Weasley. We can't, we can't do anything but that. Because he's changed our hearts. Because God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And I praise God for the unedited Jesus who says, I am Lord over death. I am Lord over hell. And guess what? I have given you, notice in verse number 20, I've given you, if you're a Christ follower, a job. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Here's the question, man. If even half of that gospel is true, and all of it is, how could we not want to be all in? All in. Jesus never called people, start coming to church on Sunday, never. God can use it. When your heart gets changed, it's no longer do I have to go to church, but I can't wait to get there to learn more about Christ. The questions change. The heart changes. The question would be, why wouldn't we want to be all, all in? And the answer always from the Pharisees to us today is because of pride and self-righteousness. Some of us, it's embarrassment. But guess what? The point of the gospel is that none of us are worthy. You say, Jeff, um, I don't even know how to pray. I've talked to people before. They say, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I have no idea. There's a family I visited with uh, a while ago. And this is a true story. I had a guy come up after the first service. He's like, is that real? This is no joke true. Not really been in church. And, and we're about to eat a meal with their family. And their little five-year-old boy, he, he says, I'll pray. And you could tell the parents made that parent eye contact like this was not planned. We have no idea where this is going. And those of you who have kids and grandkids, you know when they volunteer something, you have no idea where it's going. So here's where it went. He closes his eyes, folds his little hands, and says, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. Amen. <clears throat> Some of y'all pagans know that song. You see, in the Bible, in the Bible, not, not in church culture to where you all, and by the way, I've seen more ties at Rocky Mount Baptist Church today than I have all the time I've been here. It's, it's not about getting dressed up enough, learning flowery language enough to words that we don't even understand. It's about like a guy in the Bible in Luke chapter 18. The only thing that he could do was fall on his knees, take his hands and beat his chest and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he had. That's it. And some of us, we get this idea that we've got to be something. We've got to get to a point where God will listen. The Bible tells us it's a sincere, a broken heart. A contrite heart that God will not despise. Aren't you glad that Jesus is real? And one of the greatest takeaways that we could have for this Easter Sunday is to know that the real unedited Jesus is the one that we truly need. And he's the one who says, I know that you're not worthy. 
I know you can't pray. I know you can't do this. I know you can't change your heart. But that's the reason why I came. I came into the world in verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. And you say, Jeff, what does it mean to have Christ come into my life? J.C. Ryle says, when a person turns to Christ empty, that they may be filled, sick, that they may be healed, hungry, that they may be satisfied, thirsty, that they may be refreshed, needy, that they may be enriched, dying, that they may have life, lost, that they may be saved, guilty, this is awesome, guilty, that they may be pardoned, sin defiled, that they may be cleansed, confessing that Christ alone can supply their need. Then they come to Christ. This and nothing more than this is coming to Christ. The gospel, the unedited Jesus, is that he has done all that is necessary. He doesn't meet us part way. He doesn't say, give me a hand. He's not saying, hook me up to your truck. Let's both pull yourself out of the ditch. He came to save sinners. And I'm no better than anybody here. And you're no better than anybody here. And that's the reason why there's such a big problem. Because without Christ, we're all on the way to hell. But through his mercy, he's offering forgiveness. But the unedited Jesus makes us uncomfortable. Because he confronts the one thing that so many people go to hell with. And it's pride and self-righteousness. The glory of Jesus. He loves us so much.